Hello, my name is Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. You can check me out at myersdetox.com where we have hundreds of articles and hundreds of podcasts about detoxification. And on this podcast, we talk about everything related to heavy metal toxicity, chemicals, what these things do to our body, the health issues they cause, how to detox and latest detox protocols. But today, we're gonna be talking about toxins that cause infertility. We'll be talking about why IVF or in vitro fertilization is the last step to address infertility. And we have our guest Sarah Clark on the show. This is such a good show because infertility is on the rise. One in five couples in the UK have issues with fertility. One in six people in Canada, one in eight people in the US. I mean, this is shocking. A lot of people are having trouble making babies and conceiving children. And one of the main reasons are toxins that are interfering in our hormones, causing low hormone production, and we're gonna explore all that in more on the show today. We'll be talking about uh, the truth about today's skyrocketing infertility rates, the top five things you need to do before considering IVF and why it's the last step you should be thinking about, the top toxins that interfere in infertility or interfere in conception, the latest research on IVF safety and do's and don'ts of in vitro fertilization. So I know you guys tuning into this show are concerned about toxins, concerned about the levels of toxins that you have. So I created a quiz called the Heavy Metals Quiz, and you can go check it out at heavymetalsquiz.com. And after taking that quiz, you get your results. And based on your results, you get a free video series that tells you, you know, why you have these levels of toxins in your body and what is the next step, what you need to do to detox them from your body. And so check out that totally free video series after you take the quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com. So today on the show, we have Sarah Clark. When she was 28 years old, she received a diagnosis of premature ovarian failure. And she accepted the diagnosis and had both her children through in vitro fertilization. Years later, she realized the root cause of her infertility was actually food sensitivity and a gut infection. She is a certified life coach with accreditation from the International Coaches Federation and a health coach with training for the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And she's the author of Fabulously Fertile, Supercharge Your Fertility Naturally, and her fertility coaching program, which includes functional lab testing, supports couples to make diet and lifestyle changes that dramatically improve the chances of a healthy pregnancy and baby. And on her Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, she shares that with functional medicine, and natural fertility solutions that we can eventually reverse infertility. You can check that out on iTunes and Spotify. And you can learn more about Sarah Clark and her work with couples at fabfertile.com. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Wendy. So why don't you tell us your story and how you became a fertility coach? 
Yeah, so I always joked I was having menopausal hot flashes in my early 20s. I remember being in HR at the time, like fanning my face and kind of joking about that. And it turns out that I was. So I had um, irregular periods, and by regular, I was getting my period a couple times a year. I had this weird fungal rash on my chest. I had I had some yeast infections. And then all of a sudden, I started getting acne in my early 20s. And before that, I had great skin. So I had those weird weird health issues going on. So the first line of defense is I went on the birth control pill, and uh, which was a Band-Aid approach and really didn't do anything to address the underlying issues of what was going on. And the acne didn't go away. Obviously, the cycle's regulated. So I had this life plan of getting married at 25 and, and, then, and then having my kids at 28. So I got married at 25. Then had my then at at 28 decided to go off the pill. When I went off the pill, my periods were still irregular. The acne was still there, and the, the yeast infections, and the and the and the rash. And then um, so I went to my OB, my OBGYN, and I was told I had premature ovarian failure, which is a loss of function of the ovaries before the age of 40. And told my only way I'd ever have children is by using donor eggs. I remember her like grabbing the IVF brochure. And saying off to the fertility, um, off to the fertility clinic you go, and I really was in shock. I had no idea those other health issues were connected to my infertility at the time, um, and so I went to the fertility clinic, went on a list for a donor egg, and we were lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter, and our daughter just turned eighteen. So this is eighteen years ago. When you said donor egg, people are like, I don't even know what the heck that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and now you've got like embryo donation and embryo adoption and because of all people going through it through IVF, there's all these embryos that are available. I had someone on my podcast who actually, there was a little embryo that was there for 13 years and she, and she, um, she just had her, her child and the child is, is, is two years old and the natural siblings are, are 13 years old. So it's kind of some cool science things, uh, things going on. So, um, so we, so I had my, um, daughter and then a year after that, I wanted to have my kids close together. So, um, I went, so, so we had two embryos left over, went back into the clinic and uh, was super stressed, really wanted to have my kids close together and those didn't work. Went on another list for another donor, a, a, another donor. And then that one did, did work. So we were lucky enough to have our son. So he, He's, he's 15, so uh, three years apart. And then after I had my daughter, my, my health really uh, took a nosedive. So I remember having nine colds in one year. Every cold went to a sinus infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for every cold. I had chronic yeast infections. I had chronic bladder infections, became um, allergic to all the antibiotics. I was peeing blood. I, got, I had hives from the antibiotics. I had um, vertigo toenail infections. I, my, my health, my, my immune system was really compromised, although I was still functioning and still doing my thing. And then I decided to take, um, I was still in HR at the time, wanted to bring life coaching into the corporate environment, took a, a coaching course, and that's where I discovered I really wanted to get into health and wellness. Took a health coaching course, and then that's where I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So for me at the time, I discovered I was intolerant to dairy and gluten. So I took those out of my diet, and lo, lo and behold, the bladder, the sinus, the yeast infection started to, started to disappear. And then a few years after that, and then I discovered I had gut infections with H. pylori and streptococcus and, and fungal infections. And then also that do, 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 and go, go, go kind of biz, uh, busy lifestyle. So saying yes to everything instead of you know, setting boundaries. And so I didn't discover any of this until I was 40. I was fully in menopause. So it's for me is really kind of get the message out. There's things we can do 
instead of going straight to the, the fertility clinic. And I didn't even get a second opinion. I'm like, okay, that's what it is. And now looking back on all the things that were going on in my health. And for me, I had to, you know, it came to, to a reckoning years later. So we're helping people now instead of years later having to deal with health issue. Yeah. And I think that that is so important when you have a medical doctor tell you something that's really, you know, very serious or life changing, or you need this surgery or you can't have children anymore. I would never take that at face value. I would always go get a second opinion. Why, why, why? What's the underlying root cause? What's going on here? Dr. Google, help me. You know, I would not take that at face value. I think so many people are, you know, prone to, uh, you know, just completely trusting our, our medical professionals and just taking the word at face value and that that's the last word. And that's just one person's opinion when they have a, everyone, every single person has a limited knowledge set. So you can't assume they know everything about fertility or, or what have you, their chosen profession. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's interesting why, like, why didn't I get a second opinion? And then going back then there was those chat forums where I went in and for POF, it's basically, you know, you're just making sure you don't get osteoporosis, heart disease, you're going on HRT. I went on the pill for 10 years and then HRT. So just followed this very medical way of doing it. And with POF, it's like, sorry, you have POF. There's a 5% chance that you'll ever have your own children. It's game over. Donor aches for you. And I actually thought I was one of the fortunate ones. I didn't have to go through IVF and all, like I went through IVF. I didn't have to go through trying to get my eggs to work and, you know, years of failed cycles. I was, I thought I had it easier. Now, now with donor eggs, there's only a 50% chance of it working. So luckily I was one of the fortunate ones. I see a lot of people that have you know, going the donor egg row and, and that's still not working. Yeah. Yeah. And so infertility is a growing problem. Can you give us some statistics on, you know, the numbers or percentages of, of people and couples having fertility issues? Because the, the stuff that I've read, it's really, really frightening. Yeah. So it's one in six in Canada that are struggling with infertility, one in eight in the, in the U.S., one in five in, in, in the U.K. And it's really, it's, it's a, to me, before it was 60, 40%, 60% was female factor infertility, 40% was male factor infertility. Now it's showing studies more 50-50. And a lot of times, most people that come to me, it's, it's women that are dealing with infertility and um, they're the ones making all the changes and, you know, all these things and the, and the male partner may not be we don't even know what they that you know they can do to improve their health. And and for an IVF, it takes an average of three cycles at a cost of sixty thousand dollars for IVF. So people think because you know, usually you go to the fertility clinic, you um, so you go to your OBGYN, and like me, you're referred to the fertility clinic, and then off you go down down that road of 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 IUIs and IVFs. And people come to me afterwards where they've had all the failed, failed cycles and it hasn't worked. So it's kind of, to, that's a huge investment of like $60,000 at three cycles for it to work. When, wait a minute, there's other things we can do to maximize your chances. And my thing is like, basically the fertility clinics are there, but to me it's the, it's the last step. Like yes. Why do we feel that's the first step? Yeah. And so let's, let's talk about um, first a little bit about what is causing all of all the fertility issues that people are experiencing today? Yeah, so 
so my take on that we're in the middle of a food experiment our food is sprayed with with glyphosate which is a herbicide linked linked to uh, infertility and a whole host of other uh, diseases so toxin you know that we're all eating what you know what you place on your fork every day does ma- does matter um, and then also our busy stress lifestyle so we've I, I a lot of most people that I coach are, are busy professionals and I was listening to a podcast with uh, dr. Uh, Christiane Northrup and she was saying the higher up the degrees you have your masters your PhD the higher degrees you have the more likelihood that you could the more likely that you could struggle with infertility because you're just like this go-getter type a and a lot of people that come to me they're like i've done everything you know i've everything in my life it's always work because i'm an achiever and a go-getter and now you're throwing everything into this and it's not well isn't that a protective mechanism like say when you're stressed the body will prevent an egg release because it's you know feeling there's all this stress and that may not be a safe environment for a a woman to be pregnant in that situation when you know a million yeah. years ago it was a survival if the the tribe was under stress if a woman was pregnant it could kill her if they were moving a lot or whatever their stress was um, so it's it's a protective mechanism mm-hmm. yeah the body wants to survive it doesn't want to procreate uh, procreate so it's and we're just pushing 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 it so obviously looking at like functional testing but then the mental emotional side of that is equally as important Yes. Yeah. And so anything, any other contributors to our epidemic of infertility? Um, it's interesting. I interviewed uh, Dr. Ben Lynch and he was talking about uh, epigenetics, obviously, and talking about infertility being passed on. So you're doing, you've, you've got a diagnosis of infertility and then you go to the fertility clinic because you haven't got to the underlying reason of why, and then that potentially being passed on to your children. So I thought that was just like really scary because it's interesting with the the clinics. So back in 1985, there was 40 clinics in the US. And now in 2015, there's 500. Hmm. This is like big, big business, like a multi-billion trillion dollar business with big pharma in there with $900 million a year spent on um, like pharmaceuticals for like you see little things on on Instagram, a little baby with all the needles and a heart around the baby all the medication that it took to, to conceive that little child. Yeah. Um, which to me, you know, the fertility clinics are there to help you, but really it was designed initially for people that were having issues with their tubes, like tubal disease. But now we've got people going in there with unexplained and PCOS and like all these different in, um, diagnoses. And we don't look at the diagnosis. We look at the whole body. But um, it's like, oh, you've got this diagnosis. Here's your label. Oh, that's what it is. Off you go. And meanwhile, but why are all these other things are off? You know, there's lots of, we see regularly dysregulated thyroid, food sensitivities, gut infections, hormonal imbalance, like a whole host of things, blood sugar imbalance, reasons why, especially if we're unexplained, there are people coming in with undiagnosed autoimmune disease. So it's not unexplained. Yes. Yeah. And so it, you know, you're not going to get information like this, at your typical medical doctor's office. That's why we're doing what we're doing to give people answers that they're seeking when they're trying to conceive and it's not working out. So, you know, when is the right time to do IVF, to do in vitro fertilization? What kind of, you know, things do people need to try first 
before they go that route. And this is very personal. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're open to more of a functional side of things and looking at things more more naturally. So I would say um, if you're just di- uh, just if you're just diagnosed, to go uh, organic. Uh, if that's too cost prohibitive, at least the dirt the dirty dozen, making sure that you're not eating those foods that are the most highly sprayed. Looking at your with the toxin kind of things, so looking at your water, you want to make sure you're drinking enough water, but you want to make sure that water is filtered at a minimum of a Brita, which is even not the best. Um, if you can afford a Berkey, great. But making sure it's filtered and you're not drinking the water out of a plastic water bottle, which then can the plastics can leach into that and impact both male and female fertility. And water is essential for the cer- for um, cervical mucus, so for the egg to for the sperm to get to the egg. So you want to make sure that you're hydrated. So looking eating organic food, looking at uh, water, and then also you can consider in the very beginning, uh, consider an elimination diet. So we have people start off by taking out those the top allergens, which are dairy, gluten, soy, corn, peanuts, and eggs, take those out for 10 days and then systematically reintroduce them back in. So that, and then we recommend that for both partners. So that's if you're just diagnosed. Now, if you've been through multiple failed IUIs or IVFs, it hasn't worked. And then we're going to say, okay, let's do the elimination diet. We're going to do all this stuff. It could be too overwhelming. So that piece, we would have you start with mindset. So because going through that, even though you, you may have insurance, I work with people that have insurance for five or six rounds of IVF and they keep going and going and going and it doesn't work. But the heartbreak and the stress associated with going through six, you know, five or six cycles is immense. It's to be able to, Yeah, absolutely. So to deal with the trauma, to dig into the to, to mindset, to really be able to slow down, focus on self-care, look at sleep, like those, those foundational pieces. So depending on, on where you are, if you've had one failed IVF and one, or one failed IUI, then potentially you could be ready to do some functional testing, which we, which, which, which we do as well as the elimination diet, and then start making those foundational diet lifestyle changes. And, and what role do gut infections play in suppressing one's ability to conceive? We see this, I'd say the majority of people that we work with, there is something going on in the gut, be it we see H. pylori being passed back and forth to um, um, couples, not even having any of those GERD, like those, those um, acid reflux, not even having those symptoms. It's just, it's, that's what, that was me actually at H. pylori. I had none, none of those, those standard uh, symptoms. And we see this a lot with couples passing it back and forth with saliva. But, uh, parasites, multiple parasites, people with, with low anti-malarian har- hormone being told, you know, donor eggs are for you, that, you're, you know, you're, that your success, that the quality of your eggs is horrible. Sorry, that the, the, the quantity of your eggs is very low and you won't, you won't be able to conceive. And we see people with multiple parasites, bacterial infections, fungal infections. And you clear that up and then they can get pregnant naturally. So the gut is, is huge. And so we always do the, uh, the uh, GI map test to then to look to see what's going on in the gut and then develop a, a low and slow protocol to allow the, the, the gut to heal. Yeah, it makes sense because that natural killer T cells have to be low in order for a, a fetus to, to grow. And if you have all these infections and you have a high natural killer T cell count because it's you know, having the immune systems on the overdrive, mm-hmm. dealing with all the infections, your it's your body's considering you too much under stress to conceive. 
you know, I had a friend who, um, so she had not uh, nine years of infertility and she had high natural uh, killer cells and went on an AIP diet and, and, and like years later, she trying to figure this whole thing out, um, went through a number of IVFs that all failed and then she went to the AIP diet and was able to get pregnant naturally. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and it's not just women that are at fault here. It's not that our bodies are failing us. I mean, sometimes the infertility is due to men also. We had a great podcast with Dr. Eva Keen talking about sperm, sperm quality, how to improve sperm quality as well, because you know your mate has a role in this as well. What can be done uh, for men? Yeah, absolutely. So we t- uh, typically will deal with f- with female factor infertility. And even if the, the man's like, oh, my sperm is fine, there's always things we can do to improve his pre- preconception health. So we do a blood chemistry review. It's not to diagnose, it's to educate, to see, you know, what has been missed on his his blood chem, be it, is there any thyroid issues that have been missed? Um, again, we see those those infections being passed back and forth with, with partners. So that's, that's something to, to look at. And then also um, a lot with the, if the sperm is fine, everything's good for him. In the beginning, I was just coaching women and found that I was missing the other link. So it's, uh, this is a couple that's having a baby. So to have the two of them together, sometimes they haven't even talked about some of the things that we're talking about. And it's just sort of giving voice to some of these emotions. A lot of times the male partner feels he has to be strong or that he, you know, he can't really show how he's feeling and he's equally as hurting. He wants to have his, his child and expand his family. So to have the two of them together can be really helpful for that mental, emotional uh, side of things. But yeah, for, for sperm, it's looking at EMFs to, you know, not to have the phone, the cell phone in the, in the pocket to minimize plastics, look at elimination diet. We have both partners do the elimination diet because again, most people that come to us say they don't have a food sensitivity, but I'd say almost everyone that comes to us has a food sensitivity. Yeah, yeah people yeah. don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, at least for men, their sperm regenerates every 72 days. So That's they right. just clean up their act for 72 yeah. days. They've got some brand new sperm mm-hmm. uh, that's good to go. So yeah, mm-hmm. no drinking, smoking, partying, yeah. fast food so, yeah, exactly. for 72 days. So yeah, so let's talk about toxins. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like toxins are playing a massive role in uh, interfering in people's hormones, interfering in just all the different metabolic processes that happen that lead to conception. So why is it important to look at toxins and eliminate them prior to conceiving? Yeah, so these are the, the stressors. So the stressors we have are either a food sensitivity, a gut infection, environmental toxins, mental emotional stress, or structural stress. So, the, so the, the environmental side of things, being able to, and all, there's lots of studies linking it back to endocrine issues. So with, and linked to, linked to infertility. So um, looking at plastics, making sure you switch over to a glass water bottle or a stainless steel water bottle. If you are microwaving, first of all, it's not the best idea to microwave, but if you are microwaving, do not microwave in plastic, use, use glass. And then also looking at your personal care. So going to, going to the Skin Deep database, looking at your current personal care. It's not about freaking out and throwing everything in the garbage. It's wait as each thing then finishes, you will then switch to a more uh, non-toxic options, which is really, really key for, for fertility. You're, you're slathering all these lotions and potions on your body, which is then impacting your, your um, endocrine system for both male and female. 
So we have people switch those out. And they, there is a tendency for people to kind of get a little bit like overwrought about that because it's like, oh, wait, this isn't really, you know, you've got to throw it all out. So that is a stress in itself. So doing that gradually is key. Same with the cleaning products, making sure you're, you're swapping out your cleaning products again when they, they, they switch out. And then also looking at feminine hygiene. So a lot of times women are, you know, in your most delicate area and your vagina, you are placing um, tampons or pads that are, that are been sprayed with glyphosate linked to, you know, infertility. So switching out to a diva cup or an organic pad or tampon or a reusable one too is, 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 is a good option. So that's, that's one that most people haven't done actually the feminine hygiene when I, I speak to them, they may have done some of the personal care or the cleaning chemicals, but the feminine hygiene are like, Oh my goodness, I haven't done that. Yes. Yeah. And you know, also if it's not organic cotton, you know, you mentioned sprayed with glyphosate, but then it's also dyed. It's also bleached, I mean, and so it's going to have dioxins and there's just there's so many different uh, other pesticides also that can be used in non-organic cotton. So you don't want any of that anywhere near your the JJ. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. And then also like personal lubricants. A lot of times these are uh, you know, toxic as well, petroleum-based uh, mm. ingredients, fragrances, you know, douches, other kind of things like refresh. That's full of parabens, which are hormone disruptors. Mm-hmm. A lot of women will use like that refresh uh, pH balance uh, stuff uh, to try to balance out their vaginal flora, but that has uh, parabens in it which are, like I said, endocrine disruptors. So there's just a lot of different things you have to evaluate. <laughs> Everything that's going on or in your body, you have to kind of look at that and look, you know, be a label detective and figure out if that's right for you or not. Also, cadmium plays a huge role in infertility as well because uh, cadmium will increase the number of natural killer T cells and Cadmium is a very, very toxic metal. It's more toxic than all of the other heavy metals combined. So it's really a good thing for people to identify if they have cadmium, especially if they've had recurrent miscarriages. Um, Cadmium could play a role in that. Let's talk about IVF. So if someone's doing all of these things, the food sensitivities and doing some testing and you know, cleaning up their diet and water intake. At what point, if they're still not successful, should they consider IVF? Yeah, so to me, it's really, it's, it's to take a minimum. Uh, so it takes 90 days for the egg, the egg to renew itself, the life cycle of the sperm, as you say, is 70 to 80 days. So really in a short period of time, you can make, you know, major changes to your, your health. So a minimum of three months, we say six months, because basically you've got to be able to give yourself time to make some of these changes. And we use functional lab testing like food sensitivity, hormone, stool, and uh, hair tissue mineral analysis to then develop a customized protocol. Because IVF has developed for people with tubal issues, I, I, I think it's kind of, the problem is most people come to me if they're 28 or 38, everyone's past the point when they want to have expand their family. So fighting them off from going to IVF is a little bit of a issue as well because people are like oh my goodness the clock is running out of time you know i need to do this now this i can't take six months it's too much but like we're explaining about it's important for your for your like a for your health for a healthy pregnancy and also for your children for your postpartum health so for me i didn't fix any of this stuff i didn't discover it till i was 40 like i was talking about so both my kids have food sensitivities 
and my postpartum health. I didn't really think I had an issue with it, but looking back now, I've since heard about postpartum rage. So mine was like, I was not crying. I was just freaking ticked off, yeah. like just cranky right. and irritable. So I didn't have the smoothest postpartum period. So to me, like that rushing towards the fertility clinic, it's there. I totally get it because we see people, like if you're in your early 40s and you're like, wait a minute. So to me, at a minimum of six months, like work on what, what whatever's happening in there, be it as we talked about the food sensitivities, the gut infections, environmental toxins, mental emotional stress, work on that. And then if you're not pregnant naturally, then you can go off and you'll either get pregnant naturally or increase your chances of success at the clinic because the clinic only has a success rate. An average um, IVF take is the success of 30% and IUI is 10% and donor eggs are 50%. So you know, it's, and it's an extremely expensive option. And then we still don't know the, the really, the impact of those, those drugs on the woman and on the children. Like there's, there's studies talking about that, that really, you know, for, is, is some of the, some of the studies around um, people that have, women that have gone through IVF, are their children at a higher risk of some cancers? Are, are, are women themselves at a higher risk of some cancers? So I can kind of, I can talk a little bit about those studies if you like. Um, yeah, why don't we talk about that for sure? Yeah, so there's the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Um, so women who undergo IVF, so there's a slightly higher risk of developing severe complications than women who become pregnant naturally. Uh, women with IVF have an increased risk of ovarian hyperstimulation or uh, preterm delivery and pre preeclampsia associated with cardiovascular disease later in life. And then there's some small studies in the 1990s and mid-2000s suggested that women who underwent IVF might, might be more likely than the general population to be diagnosed with ovarian cancer, breast cancer, and uterine cancer, but larger studies investigating this issue don't, don't show the same link. And then there's one from Denmark published in 2009 that looked at more than 50,000 Danish women who took fertility drugs and found no increased risk of ovarian cancer. So hmm. another one published in 2011 looked at over 24,000 Swedish women and found that IVF actually decreased the chances of those three common cancers. So there's conflicting studies in there. To me, like it's all preliminary. So you're, you know, we don't really know the impact of putting all these drugs into your, your body. Um, and then for, for children, the American Journal of Human Genetics found that babies born to moms using IVF with fertility drugs had a higher incidence of retinoblasta and neuroblastoma cancers. And then also, this is what I, I saw personally. So the Journal of American College of Cardiology found that um, children born to women with IVF had a higher in incidence of food sensitivities, which I saw. Both my kids have food sensitivities, allergies. Yes, and my, both my, my, my daughter had ear infections and tubes in her ears. Eczema, yes. So I can see that personally from, from going through that. And I have a friend who actually, she works with children with autism. She sees a higher percentage of women that have gone through IVF, their children have autism. Now these are, I think it's not to panic anyone, but it's, I think it's just to, to people say that there's no it's not doing anything? I, I don't know. Well, I think it makes so much sense what you said about, you know, if you're going to get pregnant, if you're going to carry a birth to term, you need to be tending to these things anyways, to tending to toxins and food sensitivities in your diet and clean up your environment where you're growing the child. 
because you, you're just opening yourself up for more pregnancy complications or problems with the child, transferring your toxins to the child. You've got to really think about detoxification and cleaning up your diet because it's not about you anymore and your personal habits. You've, you've got to tend to this stuff uh, for your child. Absolutely. I think it's like your body's whispering to you. And right now, if you're dealing with infertility, it's shouting and going, wait, 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 what's going on? And like rushing over here in a panic. Like, why don't we just take in the, in the grand scheme of things to have a healthy pregnancy, a healthy postpartum and your children, you know, six months is, is really nothing Yeah, to, oh. to, to ensure that. And for someone that's t- trying to keep teenagers, you know, dairy and gluten-free, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and I noticed that too, also when, um, you know, with gluten, whenever I consume that, I start having bladder issues also Mm -hmm. noticed recurrent bladder infections. And I finally just had to just kick it all together. A hundred percent, no cheating. And my mother has the same thing. Recurrent bladder infections should kick gluten totally gone. And then you mentioned that also a lot of people have have these food sensitivities and really aren't paying attention to that. They just think that something's wrong with them, get an infection, take antibiotics, and it just kills their immune system. And then there's, it's just this domino effect that people have that affects their, uh, eventually their ability to conceive. Yeah. And for me with the bladder side of things, it came to the point where I was allergic to so many different antibiotics. I was peeing blood. I didn't even know what to, I didn't want to do anymore. And then I discovered the food thing. And I was like, thank goodness, because I probably would have gone down to some sort of surgery route where they would, you know, who knows what they would have done. But yeah, it's kind of interesting how we, um, to me, it's like you, you, you assemble that team, right? And it's not excluding conventional medicine. In the, in the, in the, if you're dealing with infertility, you have your RE, you have your OBGYN, but you have your fertility coach, you have your nutritionist, your masseuse, your chiropractor, your acupuncturist, and, and really it's you're in the center. And you're you're the you're the connector of that healing table, and it's each person plays their role, and you can take each each bit of information, but you know your body best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because any practitioners, you know, they're not spending enough time with you to really, you know, like say a medical doctor, they're spending you know ten or fifteen minutes maybe. And, you know, you're not going to get a lot, a lot of sound information out of that. So you, you have to be very, very careful and, uh, and research everything yourself. You, you cannot 100% leave your health in the hands of, of other people. You've got to take responsibility yourself. And that's why we do this show, do this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the, uh, you talked about some of the statistics on IVF failure and uh, can you talk about some, some do's and don'ts for in vitro fertilization, some things that if they do finally decide they need to go that route, then maybe they try it all the natural stuff that's not working. And are there any do's and don'ts you can talk to us about? I think so if you, so, and so maybe you're listening to this and you're like, I just want to go to IVF. I, I don't want to do any of the other, you know, functional side of things. So if you're just planning to go to IVF, Obviously, there's a huge expense to that. So you want to look at your, you know, ensure that you've got increased your success. So with that, at a minimum, I would say looking at the mental, emotional side of things. So we run a mindfulness fertility series a couple of times a year. So really looking at adding in meditation or journaling, mindfulness, just your daily routine, such as mindful hand washing or mindful walking or mindful showering, like being able to slow down, being able to set your set boundaries saying, saying no, 
Um, so studies from Alice Domar, she's a pioneer of, of mind-body fertility. She's a Harvard researcher, so I've been doing this for more than 20 years, and found that people in a mind-body fertility group, 55% uh, of them went on to become uh, mothers within six months, and then 95% um, became pregnant within um, two, uh, two years, became a mother somehow within two years. So the, the mindset piece alone is huge, being able to, you know, looking, shifting your perspective. I just did an episode on my podcast talking about triggers during the holiday season. You know, the, the, the simple question, just sort of that question that we get asked, oh, do you have kids? Someone just like small talk, well, well-meaning, send someone that's dealing with infertility come down a complete like spiral, not knowing what to say, then either spitting it all out or spitting nothing out and then just like worrying about it. So a huge trigger for that. Um, and then the, then the holiday season, you know, spending, spending time with family and friends. So, and people that have children, it can be really, really painful. So getting support around that and the, the fact that the mind, the mind body group really having other women that have go, are going through this journey. So you can, shine some compassion on them, which then helps to put it back to yourself. Cause a lot of times it can feel very isolating and you know, that you're by yourself. And when I was going through this, they say, when I said donor egg, people are like, I don't even know what you're saying. Yeah. So it's, it's, and I didn't have anyone. I had my husband, but I didn't have anyone that really understood. So now, you know, getting a support group is, is really key as you go through that. So if that is where you're going um, IVF, there's visualization exercises you can do. Circle and Bloom has some really, some really good ones for, for an IUI um, procedure or an IVF procedure you can listen to and it takes you through like every step of the procedure and then you can visualize, you know, your, your eggs and your, your, your womb and your, like all of that in each piece, just sort of visualizing it in your body and that helps to calm you down. Yeah, and let's also talk about the drugs that are administered uh, with IVF, and can you can just run through that and what happens, like how, how you feel when you take those drugs and the impact, the emotional toll, things like that? So most people that I'm dealing with are like, I'm seeing them beforehand. So as far as like when they're, if they are going through IVF, they've usually, they've, they're usually um, like, people would have lots of different reactions, right? They could have, have people that are become extra, like very stressed around that. If there's a very hyper stimulation, which is no joke, you need to, you know, get, get medical help for that right away. So each person is going to respond to those drugs differently. And, and depending on what's going on with their health, if they haven't addressed gut infections, food sensitivities, thyroid issues, they may have different reactions to them. So that's, will be very individual for myself. When I was going through it, I, I didn't, I didn't really have any, any major, major issues um, for myself. I was just kind of, but I was very, I think naive when I was going through this, I didn't really, I just thought it was going to work and it did work. So I think now we can be more informed and there's women that help people specifically going through IVF, like each step and are, you know, knowledgeable about the, the medication and the drugs for IVF. That's not my area of expertise. I'm helping people avoid IVF. So um, yeah, so that, that would be something if that's, that's the way you want to go, then you can, you have to do what feels right for you. Yeah. And people can get very emotional too, emotional and crying oh, and fighting absolutely. with their spouse. And yeah. like, it's just, yeah. it's not all, you know, rainbows and roses. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so is there anything else that you want to contribute to this conversation or message that you want to give to women that are having trouble conceiving? Yeah. I think if you're dealing with infertility to not get like hyper focused on that diagnosis to see what else is going on in your body, what has been missed? Like there, if, if it's low AMH or premature ovarian failure, like myself or, or premature ovarian insufficiency, unexplained infertility, PCOS, endometriosis, like don't get stuck on that diagnosis. Look at the whole body. Is there a food sensitivity that's people don't know, normally like that piece, but consider the food sensitivity because making some of these these foundational changes are a lot less expensive than spending, you know, 60K on IBS. So looking at doing the elimination diet with you and your partner, typically we, we recommend for a minimum of you and your partner going dairy and gluten-free for, for at least 90 days. If you're not pregnant, then dig into testing. So looking, looking at gut testing, looking at hormone testing, using the Dutch, looking at hair testing. So dig in, dig into that piece and see what's being missed. And then but if, if the functional side does not feel right for you, it probably won't work because you have to do the work. You need to be able to make those diet changes, those lifestyle changes. And if you're kind of like, ah, I just don't feel it, it, it probably won't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you to, to really overcome a serious health challenge, it takes a lot of work and involvement on the, the patient's part or the client's part. It takes a lot. Absolutely. People have to want it really bad. They have to be yeah. motivated and want to make these changes. And you know, some of us really take to that. We love it. We love eating healthy and feeling great uh, as a result of eating healthy and little detectives trying to figure out our bodies and what's going on and figure out how it works. And it's super fun. Uh, but other people just, uh, just not interested in that or feel like they don't have the time. And so uh, it's for sure all about personal choice. Um, so uh, Sarah, tell us where we can find you and what kind of, you know, help and, and, you know, programs and things you offer helping women to conceive. Yeah. So you can find me on the Get Pregnant Naturally podcast. It's on iTunes and Spotify. And we speak with functional uh, people, people in the functional medicine community, doctors and um, natural fertility solutions and mind and mind body fertility. So definitely check out that podcast. And then also, yeah, we, we, we have a couples coaching program that we help couples conceive. So making those, those, those foundational diet and lifestyle changes using, using the tools of functional functional lab testing and really making, you know, getting to the root cause of well, why is it not working? Well, Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I love that you're providing these resources for women and couples because this is a growing issue. And it's one of the reasons that I do what I do. It's just a terrible thing to, to deal with when you finally got married and you have this dream of having a child and you're ready and then it's just not happening. And people blame themselves, they get upset, they, you know, it's, it's really devastating and uh, toxins play a huge role in, in interfering in conception. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Thanks for having me, Wendy. Yeah. So everyone, thanks for tuning into the Myers Detox podcast, where every week we explore topics related to detox and detox supplements and protocols and how toxins are impacting your health and your life. So thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys next week. You can check me out at myersdetox.com, where we have hundreds of podcasts and hundreds of articles, tons of free resources for you to learn more about how to detox your body. Thanks for tuning in.